Into the wild I'll go and into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Into the wild I'll go Into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom Imagine dancing under the stars, surrounded by your sisters, barefoot and free, completely immersed in the here and the now. Imagine a place where you can play, laugh, and howl under the big, bright moon. Here, you can let your guard down and come back to the essence of your wild womanhood. If you've never attended a woman-only event before, let me tell you, It's pure magic. And so, I am thrilled to announce that the third annual Matriarch Rising Festival will be taking place June 20th through the 25th in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. The Matriarch Rising Festival is an exclusive women-only event that cultivates a sanctuary for mothers, daughters, and sisters to celebrate womanhood year after year. Our mission is to preserve the practice of sharing women-to-women wisdom and inspire one another to claim ownership over ourselves as sovereign and spiritual beings. Beginning with our closely knit and welcoming staff, our core design of community is woven throughout the entire festival. Matriarch Rising Festival is a coming home to ourselves, a safe and playful arena for the wild-hearted woman to let her guard down, to find deep kinship, and return to her daily life renewed. Tickets are officially on sale, and they will sell out, so head over to matriarchrisingfestival.com for all of the details and to grab your ticket. See you there, my friends. Alison from Australia shares her wild ride, from birthing in the system, choosing IVF, then later learning she was in fact entirely fertile. After getting dropped from her medical midwives, Alison stepped into the big work of birthing outside of the system. Alison shares how she invited her previous doula into her twin home birth, and the birth itself was undisturbed and rooted in total power and bliss. Unfortunately, her birth keeper then made calls that weren't hers to make, and Allison shares how everything then changed. All right, welcome, Allison. 
Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. And I know you have quite a few stories to tell, and I'm just so excited to hear all of them. So yeah, take us to, to wherever the beginning in the continuum is for you. You're sitting here today pregnant yeah. with your fifth. Yes. Right? Yeah. So had quite the journey as a mother. So yeah, tell us about it. Yeah, I think like the beginning of my journey, um, we, I would have to say starts with my first and probably like all women, it starts before that, even before you're pregnant, like just what society shows of birth and, you know, and pregnancy and the whole idea that children are a burden, et cetera. Like, you know, it can be quite like negative. Um, and so I got pregnant Um I was a single mom with my first. And so when I got pregnant, I was like young, I was 23. Um, and I was very like in the system and all of my responsibility, I happily gave into the system because I mean, like when you think about it, especially with where I am now, like giving that responsibility away is like horribly to say, but honestly, it's easier. Um, and you feel safer to do so um, because everyone around you is doing it. And so, um, yeah, and so my first, I was very much in the system. Um, so I'm, I'm Australian. I live, I grew up in Sydney. Um, and so I'm also Indigenous. Um, and we have like known midwife programs where you can go in and see your known midwife, but they won't be there for the birth. Um, and it's publicly funded. Um, <clears throat> and so I would see my known midwife. She would even come to my house and she would come to my house after I had the baby, but she wasn't there at the birth. And I always thought that was crazy to like get to know someone so deeply, share all your fears around birth and then be like, okay, cool. You're not even going to be there. Like it felt like a waste. And, um, but it was just, it was an indigenous program that I could be a part of and, yeah. And so I was, I was thankful for the experience and I went into the system. Um, I was like, oh, my due date was the um, 18th of December. So um, naturally I was induced because I had a big baby. Um, and I remember walking into the hospital uh, with this random midwife that I'd never met before um, to have an induction for a big baby um and she she said to me like red flag even then she was like you know they yeah they like to induce you around this time of year because like we're short on staff and like you know doctors on holidays and I just remember thinking what like that's like and this is me being super mainstream and I was just like that feels weird anyway still it was a red flag but I kind of went along with it I didn't really know any other options at the time. Well, that's kind of what's crazy is like they don't even they don't even have to lie because no. <laughs> women will still just do it like yeah births where doctors just come in and say okay my daughter's dance recitals at five so right to come out by four and then they're all just like okay <laughs> yeah like I'm what? sorry I'm this inconvenience and they're not I even try like my best. Lying yeah no they're not plenty of lies obviously but yeah no 100% but like some stuff it's just like it's so in your face and it's just like you feel like you don't have any option anyway so you're just like okay well I'm 
going to be the good girl and obey and do what I'm told. And, you know, and so, you know, I went along and I, thankfully I had a very textbook for a three and a half hour labor induction worked very quickly. Um, and, um, it was really intense. I birthed on my back. Um, you know, my mom and my sister were in the room. So that was really beautiful, um, to have women with me who I knew and I trusted. Um, and yeah. And then I remember being in the hospital, um, after I had her and, you know, had all of the interventions, you know, um, Oh, and the midwife, I said to the midwife, I was like, I don't know if I can go any further, like in my labor. I was like, I think I, I think she's going to come soon. She's like, she did a VE. She's like, oh, you're five centimeters. Like I'll be going off shift. There'll be a new midwife. Like, you know, da, da, da. you won't be having this baby for hours. And literally 20 minutes later, my daughter was born. So like, yeah. So I have very quick labors too. Um, Anyhow, and so, yeah, after she was born, I remember being in the hospital bed and I had, you know, single mom, never breastfed before, but super keen to breastfeed. And I put her on for like the first time outside of the birth suite and I was all by myself and I put a pillow under my arm and this like crazy hospital midwife walked in and she just shamed me straight away. And she was like, what are you going to do? Walk around the shops with a pillow everywhere and breastfeed that's how you're going to do it you need to start learning and I was just like whoa like this is my first time leave me alone like I was so like ah you know um and I signed myself out of the hospital because it made me really nervous and I drove myself home yeah whoa wait you and the baby obviously yeah me and my baby yeah that's horrible yeah it is (laughs) So I, mean, I, I get was it. like, I get wanting to, yeah, of course. I was like, I don't want to be here. And I felt really unsafe, like yeah. just emotionally, you know? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I drove myself back to my sister's house and stayed at her house. And we mm. had Christmas was in a couple of days because she was born on the 22nd. Mm. Um, and <laughs> yeah. And so, wow. Yeah. That was my first birth. It was like, honestly, I look back and I was like, it could have been worse. Sure. I'm thankful that it wasn't, but man, it could have been so much better, like so much better. (laughs) I mean, if, you know, knowing what you know now, right. Knowing what's available to you on the spectrum, it's pretty horrible. Oh yeah. Like just the simple fact that I was induced for Christmas was that in it, that probably annoys me the most. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I was thankful, like I, at that time, I really wanted a natural, as natural birth as possible in a hospital. So like, it didn't have an epi, I had like gas and air. I was like, that's kind of my limit. I don't really want anything else. Um, and yeah, I really didn't have time for anything else. Anyway, she was three and a half hours. But you have Pitocin, obviously. Oh yeah, obviously to induce. And that was so incredibly intense. Yeah. Um, and my goal for my next birth, like if I ever did have another baby if I did find a partner or whatever I my hope was that it would just be spontaneous labor and I would still birth in the system and you know that was it didn't really know about home birth um even then um and yeah me and my daughter we were just 
us against the world for like two years and me and my my husband is actually American so he's from Oregon and I went to Oregon as a foreign exchange student when I was 15 and I met him in high school so we kind of had been friends on and off but like we were kids so we just stayed friends like on MySpace like old school (laughs) and um yeah and so one year, like I posted a painting that I had done and I won a, an art award um, in Sydney and he commented on it and like we're both Christians. And so he, I told him what it was about and we just had this foundation and we just started building from there. And um, yeah, and we got married like eight months later. And Whoa, moved- that's fast. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I labor fast. I married fast. Yeah. Like when I'm ready to do something like I got my mind made up like (laughs) there's no mucking around over here (laughs) um and we lived in America for like a few months and um we discussed like having children we really wanted to have children straight away and as soon as we got married we were trying like actively tracking my cycle trying to do everything as natural as possible um And again, he's very similar to where I was like in the system um, and whatnot. And like, just had like his sister had hospital births and things like that. So um, didn't really know much else. Um, Yeah. And then we came to Australia um, for some health issues for um, my eldest daughter. And um, we were trying for like two years in total and not even any single pregnancy once. Um, And so we decided to try like a IVF doctor to like see what was going on. Um, And we found that I had diminishing ovary syndrome and I would most likely go through early menopause. And my husband had- let's, Let's be fair about how we're framing this for yourself. Yeah. You didn't find that somebody, yeah. didn't, someone didn't find that, you know, yeah. this is an insane diagnosis. Yeah. yeah. Which like, obviously now, as you've mentioned, I'm on my fifth baby. So like it has without IVF. Had, yeah. Without IVF. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just, looking back, it's just like, oh my gosh, all these like red flags, just like throwing up everywhere. Well, it's such a predatory system, you know, it's like, I I imagine that no woman's ever walked into an IVF clinic and they've been like, no, no, you're, you're totally healthy. Go get some acupuncture and clean up your life and maybe do a little pranayam and eat organic and (laughs) you'd be right. Like, yeah, no, they're like, oh, um, yeah, it's like, it's, it's like seriously does that many women have that many problems and that many men have yeah. that many problems like it's Wait, yeah. what's the, what what was it that you're you're likely to be menopausal earlier yeah. than than average that's such a like yeah. weird yeah I was I was told I would go through like, menopause by the age of 30 I'm 33 <laughs> in like a couple of days it would be funnier if it wasn't like incredibly depressing and that yes. <laughs> so many women believe this about their, their themselves. Yeah. And like, I, like at, before my husband, I didn't want to have a, I didn't want to have a million kids. I only wanted to have one more if that's what he wanted. Like I wasn't really interested. And so like to hear that, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and um 
And then, but I was like, I really want to have a baby with my husband. And, you know, he's just like, I'm happy to have the many babies we have. Um, and that like he had low sperm count. Um, and it was so, it's so interesting because they were instantly like, oh, he has low sperm count. He can do all these natural things to like fix his system. But like you, oh, we're going to have to pump you full of drugs. You're the money maker, baby. Yeah. Like, and it's like, it just, it just makes sense now, you know? Um, but yeah, so like he did all of his natural things to up his um, sperm count. And me, it was just kind of like, well, I'm going to pump you full of drugs. So they did, I had a high dose, like my first round and I produced three eggs and they were like, that's really low. Um, only one was viable. We used it. I ended up miscarrying about seven weeks. Um, and I remember my body was like excruciatingly like exhausted and in so much pain. And I don't, I don't like I've, I was always kind of mainstream, but I've always been a little bit natural minded where I'm like, you know, um, like aspirin and um ibuprofen and things like that I never was like oh let's just take that whenever I was always like oh that feels weird to take all the time and let's try not to do that all the time like is there a way that I could maybe should I drink more water like you know <laughs> would that be Basics. yeah so um yeah so when that happened I was like okay and then um flipped over and instantly they were like look you can start your next cycle as soon as you miss this baby you can jump straight into the next cycle and there wasn't any like counseling or like anything like any support like I just lost a baby um yeah so uh we did around the round next round straight away and it was the most um humiliating actually because when I remember being in the room um, to put the embryo back in and the doctor just sat there and he was like, all right, take your clothes off like, and get on the bed. And my husband's in the room and my husband's like, okay, like looking. And then he's like holding my hand. And I was like, I'm looking at my husband. Like, I don't, I know he's going to be going near my vagina, but like, I don't want to get undressed in front of him. Like I feel really uncomfortable and it was so like humiliating and, and he just it. stood no so he st my husband was like this is not happening <laughs> like he's like are you gonna leave the room first like my husband stood in like he's very like protective and then the doctor was like oh yeah okay and so he got up and but he wasn't away. going to he leave mm -mm, he wasn't and it, wow. I, I put in a formal complaint because I was like, hey, like that's actually really like I and I said I kept saying like I get that he's going to be like near my vagina to put this back in. But like I don't want to undress in front of this man. Like and yeah, I felt really disrespectful to my husband as well. And yeah, and obviously to myself, like, you know, in and of the whole situation. You're just like body. you're just like like a freaking farm animal, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. just like, what's it all matter? You're not even, you're completely faceless. You're, you're just, yeah. you're his job. It's nothing. All it's I'm so looking gross. at is your vagina anyway. So you might as gross. well get it out. Like, yeah, it was really, like you said, predatory. Yeah. It felt really gross. It's, it's so, interesting. I've heard of, you know, plenty of these stories of that happening when it's just the woman in the room. 
because they're perverts, but it's interesting that your husband was there. Yeah. Cause I feel like the like perverts would be on like their better behavior. Yeah. Right. Like what kind of audacity does he have? (laughs) So weird. Just like, and my husband, like, he is not a short man. He's not, he is like ex-military. He's He's six foot, he's six foot four. Like he is a solid bloke. He's not fat. He's like well built, like you'd think that he would look and he is intimidating looking he's just a giant teddy bear anyway but like you would think it, prob- that it was presence yeah it was I mean it, it it probably is just the like complete inhumaneness of it of just yeah, like it's 100%. just another day you're not like a real whole just another dollar any sort of decency and anyway okay so that's crazy so that then that's yeah. the round that works yeah and so I get pregnant with Ezra so my first is Aurora and she's nine and then Ezra he's three now and so um Ezzy we like I have like you know a million ultrasounds um you know it's IVF so I'm high risk and it's all very crazy um and I kind of like the saving grace for me was that like again I was like I don't want to have a million ultrasounds like it feels weird like again I'm still in the system and mindset too but it just felt it always felt off like things have always felt off for me and just like there has to be something else and um, my husband he owned a home before we got married he owned a home in the U.S. and we wanted to sell that property um, like and just get rid of it so we could buy our own property etc like here in Australia and um so we ended up going to the U.S. when I was about 26 weeks pregnant so we flew from Australia to the U.S. to Oregon and like got the house all organized we were there for like Christmas Ezra was born in February uh 2020 and um we got home in February 2020 And so I saw a midwife in the US, like just a known midwife um, to just kind of check, do my tests and things like that. And it was actually interesting to see the similarities, but also a little bit of differences between um, how the system is in Australia versus the US. Um, And like, it was just, it was eye-opening to think that like, oh, well, it isn't, there isn't this one cookie cutter sort of way to do things. Um, and so, you know, and my daughter, actually, she, when we were in the US, she was like, so um, what happens when you have the baby mum? And me and Eric looked at each other and we're like, well, grandma will come and get you and she'll watch you and we'll go, daddy will take mommy to the hospital and we'll bring the baby home and like, you can meet the baby. And she was like, what I want to be there like I've prayed for this brother like she had she's not a sassy kid but man she had some sass and she's like I prayed for this brother like I want to be there how old is she at this stage um she's like five yeah and she's just like little woman warrior advocating for herself and I just remember being like yeah why aren't you there Mm. like why is this, this, why am I separating you from me? One, that doesn't feel good. And yeah, two, you, this sorry. is your sibling. Totally. I'm glad she pushed back. I mean, yeah, earlier about, about your prenatal care that, that it, it was always off, you know, and even though you were like, whatever, you know, like everybody just yeah. like going along with what was expected of you, that it felt off Yeah, because it is off. 
You yes. know, I think it feels off to, well, I guess I might, I might propose the thought that it on some level feels off to everyone because yeah. it is off. And it's like, how conscious are you yeah. of engaging in fracture, right? Like yeah. it is, it is creating fracture between, you know, you and baby and the ultrasounds and, and doing yeah. the interventions and, and separating, you know, the fracture of your family of, yeah. of separating your daughter from the energetic field of yes. your, your tribe growing, you know, yep. and, and, and a like portal of, you know, rite of passage for your entire family. And yeah, it's, I think, I, I guess I'm doubling down on that because I think way more women, even if they're going along with it, do feel yeah that on some, you know, level, maybe they don't have words for it yet. Yeah. You know? Like in the back of your mind. And I think that's why I like to point out how mainstream we were. Like we were very much in the system. My sister had twins and she had a cesarean and that was very like, yeah, that's normal. Like, and it was very accepted. And I mean, you did IVF. That's pretty. Yeah, exactly. Very yeah. mainstream. Yeah. yeah. And so I, and to think even as a woman in that kind of experience, like I could feel it in the back of my mind that this felt weird. Um, and I have even got friends who are still very mainstream and they're like, yeah, it is weird. And it's, it is weird. it's kind of, yeah, and they agree. And then it's like, they're like, I just, it's kind of like they don't, they don't know what the next step is or how to process it or, you know, that, that switch hasn't flicked yet. And it's kind of like, how do we tuck into that little, you know, the little switch? So what do you say to your daughter? At the, like, how does that change anything? Absolutely. It like changes so much. Um, so me and my husband, I was like, okay, yeah. Why isn't she there? And I was thinking about her being like in the hospital and I was like, hmm, maybe, maybe some women like they, I swear women birth at home and it was just like this it just kind of came out and my husband was like oh hell no like <laughs> we are not going to be that weird family that births at home like he was so against it and it came from a place of fear 100 percent. yeah absolutely um but I kind of like was like actually and I think like the indigenous side for me as well of like being like being woman to woman women's business is such a huge thing in my culture like men's business and women's business is very separate and having a baby is like community is family it is women's business but like I started thinking about my her being a girl and I was like you know I want her to watch this I want this as long as it's not traumatic. Like I want her to be a part of this. I want her to watch how this unfolds. And so all of that started kind of coming out and me and my husband started talking about it. And we started interviewing, we were in America at the time, but we started interviewing, I knew that I was having my baby in Australia. And so we're interviewing midwives over the phone to set up a home birth um, with a midwife. And um, yeah. <laughs> I was on IVF medication and um I what is that what's IVF medication so I was on like a I was on like a baby aspirin and I was on um some other yeah for I'm not sure why I was just giving it um and I took it and yeah. I was like this is what I've got to do um <laughs> and and I'm like when do I stop taking this and she's like 
okay bye and I was like what and then so I saw I like she never gave me clear instructions she's like speak to your speak to your midwife or your doctor when you're closer to the end and they'll tell you when to get off it but I'm in America and so I tell my American midwife and I'm like when do I get off this like should I get off it before flying home or after flying home I don't know what this medication is and I don't know what it does like so I'm asking you right and she's like oh just come off it cold turkey like you're fine and I was like okay and so I did at 36 weeks and two days later I was like are my legs swollen this isn't good what's that and it's really painful and so I'm like Googling what it was. And I was like, oh, this could actually be really serious. I could have a blood clot in my leg. Mm-hmm. And so I call the midwife and I go to the midwife and I'm like, hey, uh, by this way, by this time, I've already found a doula. Um, so not a midwife in Australia. I couldn't find one. Um, but I found a doula who I connected really well with. She is a, like a free birth mom and advocate. Um, and she attended like from hospital, home birth to free births right and so she kind of opened the idea to like everything and just being she's very natural Christian woman as well so connected on lots of different levels um and so we're kind of having zoom chats with her and I let her know I'm like hey like this feels like weird I think I've got something really wrong with my leg and um yeah I go to the midwife I tell the midwife I send her photos of like my leg and um, I get there and she's like, it's not, I had uh, put my leg in um, like a bandage, um, just a compression stocking, sorry. And um, so when I got there, I took it off and it had, the swelling had kind of gone down a little bit. It was still a little bit bigger than my other leg. Um, but I had told her like I had pain, like right in my calf, it was really sharp and it, it felt it felt like it was burning on the inside, but you couldn't feel, you couldn't see anything externally other than a little bit of swelling. Um, and I was like, I actually think I have a blood clot. I think I have a DVT. And I was like, should we do like an ultrasound on my leg to see if I have it? Um, and she's like, here is some muscle relaxant. Take that. You probably just have sciatic nerve pain and you'll be fine. And so I took that and I get, Cause like I said, like, I don't really take medication very often. So when I do my body, like really responds to it. And so I'm high <laughs> become this muscle relaxant, you know, feeling very like, Ooh, loose and, you know, good physically. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I like, it still feels like it's burning in there, but like, I feel good. And so I tell her this and she's like, okay, here's your fit to fly letter. Fly home back to Australia at 37 weeks. You'll be fine. And so I did with a blood clot in my leg that she didn't want to diagnose. And I got, I landed in Australia after 21 hours of flying and um, my leg was twice its size and I went straight to emergency. My husband took me straight to emergency and the ER doctor was like, if you don't have a blood clot in your leg, I don't know what's wrong with you. He didn't ultrasound straight away and he found that I had a, 21 centimeter, uh, 21 inch blood clot in my calf. So it went from above my groin crease and it continued all the way down to my calf. And it was one whole clot. It was so big. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. And so 
I was instantly on blood thinners. Like everyone was like, you're going to die. And that was like, they didn't need to use anything to fear monger me because I had this huge blood clot in my leg. And for whatever reason, God gave me the peace that I needed at the time. And I was just like, no, I'm not going to die. I'm okay. Like everything will be fine. And like they, I had like a meeting with like the head ER doctor and she was like, but this is really, really serious. Like you have to do all of these things and da da da. And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine to do them, but I'm fine. Like I know that I'll be okay. And I have a lot of peace about this and I know my baby's okay. And um, I think that was a really big thing. And the, the very beginning of my motherly intuition and really stepping into my own body and being like, you know what? I knew I had a bloody blood clot and you just denied me. And I realized that I have way more power in knowing my own body than anyone else on this planet can ever tell me about. And that was truly the beginning of that. And And that that, like betraying yourself, betraying your own inner knowing. Absolutely. Was quite dangerous. Yeah. It almost killed me. Like as it is for all of us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you have a blood clot that's small and that travels, that breaks off. Like the most risk time that you have is within like the first couple of weeks. Um, and the, and your biggest risk after, when you have a new blood clot is actually flying within a couple of days. Right. And that's what I did. Um, and so I was like, no, I'm totally fine. Um, and yeah, and I was, I ended up not having a home birth because I knew that my body was sick. Um, and I couldn't find a midwife. I just, and it was just this whirlwind. Um, and I just was like, okay, I'm going to have a hospital birth. I want it as, you know, calm and as natural as possible. Uh, the good thing about that though, with having the blood clot was that they were like the most dangerous thing that we can do for you is actually give you a cesarean. So my doula who knew like the, like all the causes that bring you and all the interventions that bring you to C-section. We had so many conversations very quickly and intensely about like what interventions to really kind of step away from like epidural and trying not to be induced and things like that. So I was really afraid of having the Pitocin um, and I didn't want it. Um, And so just because, you know, obviously everything that comes with that and I was on high blood thinner, high dose blood thinners, um, because it was so big and I ended up so having I him. I have a question. I have a question. Mm-hmm. So you said something like we ended up not having a home birth because my body was sick. Yeah. So just like at that point in time, like, is that still what you think? Um, like, like you obviously thought at that point that the hospital was the safest place for you to birth I didn't feel that like I felt that the hospital was the safest place for my body to go because like I fully believe that when a woman gives birth it's a marathon right like our body is incredible it's such a beautiful thing and our body goes through this wonderful process and it's not like it's exactly what the body's designed to do so it's not like hard on the body as in like not meant to happen hard but like you know it's a it's an effort for our body to give birth in a good way and I just felt like being in the hospital at that particular time 
was the safest place for my body to go through that. And obviously having a higher heart rate for myself with a blood clot that can cause it to break up. So I think it was the focus for me was thinking about how if the blood clot had broken off, that there would be like emergency instantly and there would be someone who like medically who could kind of do something about the blood clot. But I didn't feel safest in the hospital to give birth though. Like if I didn't have the blood clot, it was like I, and I knew I still was like, I was like, and so my um, support team, my doula and my husband, I was like, these are the things like, you need to keep these people away from me. Don't let them touch me. Um, Like, like I don't feel safe. This doesn't feel normal either. And looking back, I'm not like, I think that I probably would have 100% been a lot safer at home than if I was in the system um, because I had told the, um, at the beginning, actually like just, you know, um, at the beginning of um, my marriage with Eric, um, he was in America and I was in Australia as we were transitioning um, and I had been uh, sexually assaulted by someone that I had I knew in my own home um, and it went to court that person went to jail um, it was a really big event in my life and so giving birth and having that happen recently um, I was like please don't let them touch me I don't want any vaginal checks nothing like they can literally just do the gel and then I don't want them to touch me down there ever again. Like that's it. Um, the gel and for induction. Yeah. Yeah. Which if I knew what I know now about that, yeah, no. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was really hard. Uh, she put the gel in, I instantly went into labor um, and he was like such a quick labor. He was ended up being two and a half hours um, and so my husband and my doula were very protective over my space and things like that. But, you know, you get some, um, very tricky hospital midwives <laughs> who will get in there and do what they need and they don't give a crap and they'll do whatever they want. And, um, we are very unfortunate here, um, in Brisbane, cause that's where I live now is that the local five hospitals have like this um, perinatal, um, bundle package. So when baby is crowning or has come out, they do an internal via your anus to make sure you haven't teared. Um, and so my son, normally they do it after you've had your baby and obviously they're supposed to do it with consent, but look, we know that doesn't happen. And, um, while I was crowning, um, she stuck her fingers up my asshole and I cried and I begged her to stop. And I said, please stop. Like just, yeah. And she said, no, she just straight up said, no, I have to do this. She and, has to really rape you while you're birthing your child. Yeah. Holy fuck. And before, like I had told her written and verbally that like, I didn't want to be touched down there because I had been raped and it was going to be so triggering for me. Please don't do that. Like I don't consent. I don't even care why you think you need to do it. That's, I don't, I'm not giving consent. Um, and so, yeah, she said no. And then I, I just remember internally 
just falling into nothingness right as I'm like my baby's crowning and I just whispered to myself with like nothing left and was like please stop and obviously she did it and you know my body pushed my baby out and um I teared um and I like I ended up like all I wanted to do with that birth was I wanted my waters to break naturally and I wanted to catch my own baby she tried to catch my baby and like that little burst in me was like like that like screw you sort of attitude and I picked up my baby and he had the cord wrapped around his neck just really gently and I went to pull him up and I was like oh he's not moving and then I realized that it was around his neck so I just instinctively just unwrapped it from his neck and he was fine I didn't feel anything crazy about it he was totally happy and he was looking there at isn't, me there isn't anything crazy about it no there's not he's like well, what would you do if you found a person with a rope around their neck you would untangle it <laughs> you'd uh, be like mm, I'm gonna leave that there like <laughs> wow so you're fully reinitiated into sexual assault as you're birthing your freaking child I mean obviously we know this is obstetrics this is this is so 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 how it is this is the oh that is so brutal yeah um and I had said because like you know we know that like uh, Pitocin managed third stage, like your placenta delivery. We know that if you have Pitocin, there's a high risk of having hemorrhage. There's a high risk of having retained placenta. And because I was on blood thinners, I said, I absolutely refuse. I will sign everything. I don't care. I'm not having that because I'm on these like double the amount that you're normally meant to be um, blood thinners. And I, if I do hemorrhage, like I will potentially die. So I don't want this. And she's like, okay, like whatever. It's really dismissive. Like the rapist midwife, <laughs> like, you know, I'm meant to put my whole trust in. Um, and so I've, I've picked Ezzy up and I'm looking at him and I'm just falling in love with my baby. And I roll over to my back and, you know, it's been what, three minutes. And she comes from behind without saying a word and she jabs me in the leg with the, the Sintocin, Pitocin. Um, and so I had no choice now. Um, and, you know, as I sit here and say to you, I felt that the safest place for me and my body was to birth in the hospital. It wasn't because right. she raped me and then she put something, she, she drugged me fully and then what happened exactly a week after I gave birth, I had retained placenta and at home I passed huge clots and I was like, something's not right. And I was feeling a lot of pain and I kept telling people, I was like, I'm in pain. Like this feels wrong kind of pain. This is not afterbirth pain. This feels sharp. I don't feel well. And everyone kept dismissing me except for my own husband and my mom, but like the medical teams were always dismissing me. Um, and then I went in and 1.4 liters of blood just poured right out of me all at once. And I hemorrhaged and all because she didn't give a shit. Sorry. It's fine. But like, 
yeah <laughs> on this uh, podcast. <laughs> such a horrific story and such a common story yeah it's horrible and I'm so sorry that happened to you thank you and I am thrilled that the next part of your story is going to be all about your transformation yeah <laughs> the beautiful blood butterfly <laughs> Um, so yeah, after all of that experience, which was obviously extremely intense and incredibly challenging, it actually, instead of making me more fearful, it intensified the idea that one, I knew my body better than anyone could tell me. And I was going to be able to tell people what was wrong with my body before they could tell me. And two, I had faith and I trusted that God would make me aware of what I needed to be aware of. And so that's, the journey that I've begun and stepped into and my husband was like no we're never doing IVF again I'm not watching you do that like and we're never having a hospital birth again like he was just like not happening um he's like obviously you pick but like I don't feel comfortable with a hospital birth and um yeah and so my I was on blood thinners for like 11 months after Ezra and then um we decided that we like I got the I could get off the blood thinners and the hematologist like the blood specialist doctor he was like you can get pregnant whenever and you know with all of this infertility problems the first time me and my husband have sex we naturally conceive twins (laughs) not the first time I've ever heard that (laughs) and it won't be the last either (laughs) yeah right exactly yeah and and I I'm I'm appreciating that your husband obviously put some pieces together because a lot of men after they've seen their partners raped and tortured they emerge from the birth so trauma bonded to the system that it actually like even further doubles down the um, loyalty to the system and some like confused, obviously like cognitive. It's like Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. hundred percent. It sounds like he was on some level fairly clear that that didn't need to happen like that. Yeah. And he, I think as well, he was like a part of him was like, there was so much fear surrounded by choices that he's like, and it led us to something horrible. Let's not do that again. Um, and so, yeah, we got pregnant and like, um, (laughs) did like the blood test and was like, yeah, you're pregnant. You know, my HCG levels weren't high or anything. They were pretty, they were actually lower at the same time than what my twin, uh, what, um, my other two were. Um, so we were like, okay, everything's fine. I was offered to do like your dating scan. Um, and we just decided that everything that they gave us we would not say yes to, we would go home, we would think about it, we'd pray about it, and then we'd see what we want to do. Um, and so the dating scan came up and I was like, well, why are we doing this? We know when we conceived, we don't need an ultrasound to tell us. So I didn't go into the pregnancy going, yes, it will be a wild pregnancy. It was just like, let's take each step at a time. And then at all, every single thing that they brought, I was just like, why am I doing this? This is mm-hmm. stupid. And my husband was like, why are you having to do this? This is stupid. Like <laughs> as soon as soon as the light is on and you're yeah. it, none of it makes any sense. <laughs> no, it does. As soon as you're asking, why am I doing this? The whole thing crumbles. Yeah, 100%. And like, you know, we're off of the 12 week scan, the um, anatomy. And by the anatomy time, I was like, 
I think I was 16 weeks. I did go into the hospital because I'd had like really bad morning sickness, like HG. And so I went and got some fluids. Um, and so the midwife kind of, she was like, oh, do you want to do an ultrasound? I was like, no, I really don't want one. I feel like my baby is fine. I don't need one. I just need fluids. That's all I'm here for. Please help me. That's it. Um, and so she was like, oh, okay. Can I palpate your, be- your belly? And I was like, yeah. And so she did. She just felt, and she was like, oh, you're measuring a little bit further ahead. And I was like, okay, whatever. And my husband's like, yeah, hundred percent. Actually you're having twins, babe. And I was like, no, I'm not like, I'm not. And, um, it's also continued- really, sorry. It's just also okay. really gross that like, she's like, let's do an ultrasound. And you're like, no, thanks. I'm just here for fluids. And she's like, okay, cool. Well then can I palpate? Yes, it's like, right? I still have to do shit you're not yes. asking for. I just give me something. Let me just. Yeah, I need it. It's so I gross. It. I know. It's like, it is. It's so bad. I'm sorry. So, so, so my husband calls it. Yeah, he calls it. He's like, having twins, babe. Like, that's what it is. And like, I had no. Like, I've never been like, oh, I need to have twins. My sister had twins. So like, we knew that it's a thing, but I never thought it would be my thing. Um, And then, yeah, (laughs) uh, we just kind of at home. I'm glad that she palpated it in the way that we ended up being able to use it. Mm -hmm. So me and my husband started doing that and he started palpating my belly. And it was like his way of kind of physically feeling my belly grow and him really being in the, and it connected us and it connected him into the pregnancy on a, on like a, another level. And so we just kept like, and he was starting to understand where babies were and like where, what my body was doing. And so it was actually really beautiful for us. Um, and yeah. And so we just continued through the pregnancy and by, um, I think it was like 24 to 26 weeks. I was like super huge um like my fundus was like right in my ribs and like I could feel that laying down and then by 26 weeks I could physically palpate two bottoms and then two spines and I'm like I don't this isn't one baby like this has to be two (laughs) if it feels Um, like two it is yeah it's two yeah and I was like and I'm getting kicks in like three quadrants at this exact same time yeah and I was like I'm not having a square baby and I don't believe in like too big of a baby like that's just bs to me so and I was like I'm 100% on my dates and everyone kept saying that it was always like oh you're it's just because you're you're um you're off on your dates I'm like no I I know gaslight yeah it is and it's yeah and so anyway and then I'm like everyone's like oh my gosh you should have an ultrasound and I was like why so they can tell me that I have two babies when I already know like why do I need that like why do I need someone to tell me what I'm already telling you like you're just not listening and you're You're, not you're just a misogynist (laughs) that doesn't think an adult human female can possibly speak from her own embodied authority I mean that's actually what it is yeah and it also shows your lack of trust in that woman because that's that's essentially what misogyny is you know no yeah but I mean like especially when it's like you have a relationship with that woman 
and I think it's like so strange as it's like I can get having that crappy attitude and I just brush it off but if it's someone that I actually was in a good and what I thought was deep yeah. relationship it's Alarming. like it's so offensive it's so like offensive. I guess, like what else don't you trust me with totally, like this, this isn't it, even affecting you the other like yes a hundred percent it's so rude it's so offensive and you know most of these people are coming from pretty significant brainwashing and being condescended you know being being infantilized as well right so like when I when I had my first pregnancy and I told my and I was it was a wild pregnancy and I told my grandma I'll never forget her going well how do you like actually know like you're going yeah. to like a doctor needs to tell you that you're pregnant and I was like grandma it's the same test. Like I pee <laughs> on a stick at home and then I would pee on a stick. They're testing for the exact same thing. Yeah. Like I'm pregnant and she yeah. couldn't wrap her head around it. I you know, like, and it's not now. Right. And it's we, not personal, right? Cause no. nothing personal. It's that no. they don't know anything. Yeah. And, but I still get that now, even with the twins, it's like, oh, but you didn't actually know you were pregnant with twins <laughs> until <laughs> you gave birth. And I'm like, no, I, I was, I was, and even when I'm like, I would, I would let people like, I would allow, and I would like bring people and be like, feel this belly, feel this bump and feel this spine, feel this other bump, feel this other spine. And I would literally be like, feel what I'm feeling. And they like, and I was only a couple of people that I let like trusted people, but then they would still be like, oh, but you just don't know. And I'm like, you're literally feeling it. I know you're feeling it. And then it was, yeah. So it's just crazy. I think it's insanity, mm-hmm. but obviously I did know. And no, I wasn't shocked that I gave birth to twins. Like when I'm feeling what I'm feeling. Um, and yeah. And so I was I actually said to Eric, I was like, if I don't birth two babies, I'm going to be genuinely concerned that something like I have a tumor or something like, right. Right. Yeah. Something <laughs> is weird is going on. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I ended up, um, like, uh, being quite sick in my pregnancy with the twins, like just vomiting HG and things like that. Um, tried to manage it as much as possible with different like things. Um, and I was like regularly seeing a Cairo and um, my remedial massage therapist to kind of help because my belly was just growing at a rapid rate. Like it was just, I was so big and um, everything kind of was sore. And yeah. And so I was really, my husband was like, yeah, babe, like do what you need to do. Keep you healthy, like protecting me as much as possible. Um, and I kind of, felt like I was going to have this baby like before I realized it was twin we kind of felt like we we're going to have the baby early so my husband early on felt like what what like we had the big question of like what how early is too early to birth at home for us where's our comfortable level and where do we sit in that um and we said it was about 35 weeks um and so I went into labor at 35 one um <laughs> which looking back, I actually wasn't 35 one. I was 34 one. Um, (laughs) So um, yeah, I just like, I just had like a brain fog moment where I just in the time that I was in labor and maybe I was just kind of subconsciously trying to convince myself to stay home anyway. (laughs) So did you, so at what point, so 
yeah, tell me a little bit about like, okay, so you emerged from that, that horrible birth with your son and you know, it's going to yeah. be a home birth next time, but like, when does the tilt into free birth happen? Cause that's obviously like a whole new arena. Yeah. So I, like I said, like with my, um, with Ezzy, like my doula had, she had free birthed herself. And so like, I was able to kind of really talk to her about it and express like what fears I had around that. Um, in Australia, a, a midwife cannot attend a home birth with multiples. Mm-hmm. So, um, because they'll get deregistered. So I knew kind of halfway when I, when hubby started talking about it being twins and that being a potential, um, I was like, well, I definitely can't have a midwife anyway. And I was already struggling because I was like, I'm not having ultrasounds and I'm going to have hardly any tests. And they were like, that doesn't, we can't do that. And we don't feel comfortable with that. So I was like, well, free birth is probably my option that I'm going to choose. And my husband was so on board well before I was. Um, And he was just like, yeah, what do I need to do? like to help you to feel make you feel safe etc so he's he's a really supportive guy which is amazing um but yeah it was about probably about the time just before I could palpate that it was twins and then like two weeks later so it was about 20 to 22 weeks that I was like yeah I'm just free birthing and that's fine and then I realized that it was twins and I was like I'm still free birthing like I'm just gonna know more about and so like, you know, I listened to your podcast and I listened to a bunch of other podcasts and I just tried to get as much resources, which there isn't a lot of unassisted twin births. Um, but, but do I you took really more- find that it's that different? No. Right. No, it's it. what the difference is. And what I found is that it's the label of high risk. Right. And you're labeled high risk for twin to twin transfusion and you're um, labeled high risk for preterm birth and, um, you know, potentially developing any other like complication and like, well, those complications aren't current. So that's not a risk for me. And I felt that we were okay from 35 weeks for preterm birth. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wasn't, I don't know, I just internally was like, no, I don't have, like then it's not twin to twin fusion. Like it's all fine that I could even, when I was palpating and like, they feel about the same, like it wasn't like significant difference. So I wasn't worried about that. When, I mean, that's all, you know, important and valid. And when you have the experience that you had with Ezra at your back, like what's, what's risk, you know, like yeah. risk is to go in and be raped again. Risk is to, Absolutely. I mean, come on. Right. So yeah, 100%. I think that's, that's for, for so many women, you who shared the story on their stories on the podcast and, and, you know, privately with me, it's, it's like arriving at this place of the only way is with God. Like the only way is, is to be with it and to trust yeah. it and to, and to fully surrender yeah and to allow yeah. it yeah because once and you're in the darkness of the system yeah. it's real hard to wrap your head around going back there yeah and I love that you said like what is risk because that was a huge part of my tipping point was like I absolutely and so did my husband take into consideration that I could have a crappy midwife again or I could have a great one but that was a risk and was I willing to take that risk no <laughs> 
no, no, thank you. Never again. Like that is not, that's not what I was wanting to do. And so, and it had, it played a huge role in it. And, you know, just looking at stats here in Australia, very similar to America, like, you know, obstetric violence here in Australia, like one in three women walk out of um, the hospital setting with some type of birth trauma. No, 100% of them do. No, absolutely. And I'm saying statistically that is even documented. I'm like, just documented. That's a huge number. Like we know it's higher. they'll even admit it. (laughs) Yeah, right. How are they? I'm surprised they're allowing that number to even come out. And so, yeah. And so I was like, just knowing more and more um, and then having someone who was just so ready to be with me um, and, you know, just talk to me about free birth and what it was and a non-judgment zone where it's like, Hey, I'm really scared of X, Y, or Z. And then just feeling free to ask those questions. Just that felt friend. Yeah. Like that felt normal. It felt normal to be like, Hey, I have this fear. And then someone sit and hold space with you. That feels normal. But going into a hospital setting, be like, I have this fear and then dismissing it. Or, hey, I have this request because that makes me nervous and then dismissing, that doesn't feel normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we, I went into labor at like 35, uh, 34 and one. Um, and I was like, <laughs> it was like on and off. I was kind of, kind of getting like little, like for an hour, I'd get a couple of like, what I was thinking was Braxton Hicks and um, it wasn't anything like, it was pretty regular. Um, I did, I just went about my normal day to day, like, you know, hanging out with the kids, taking them to school, picking them up and going to the shops and buying some fruit and, you know, doing my thing. And, um, I came home and it was about seven o'clock and I was like, I might go into labor soonish. Like something feels a little bit like it's shifted, but I wasn't getting anything regular and I wasn't concerned about it either. I was happy for everything to just go the way that it wanted to go. And I had fully surrendered to it. Um, And so, yeah, I was like, I haven't done a belly cast, which I do with all my babies. It's one of my keepsakes that I love doing. And um. I was like, should I do it now? I was like, no, I need to sleep. I'm just going to sleep. And so I slept for three hours. My husband got home from his afternoon shift at 10 and, you know, the 15 minutes to have a shower, kind of do what he needed to do, got into bed. And it was about like quarter past 10, 20 past 10. And I woke up and I was like, like, that's, that's the contraction to be like, you're in labor. Like, this is it. (laughs) No. And he's like, oh, okay, I just did a 12-hour shift. And I was like, don't worry, babe. We know that I have quick labors. Like, you'll be sleeping soon. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that we kind of got everything set up. Like, um, I really wanted a water birth. And, um, yeah, and so he kind of fil- started filling the pool. And I had a photographer called her over. My doula as well called her over. Um, and, yeah, it was just so nice to have my children know that my children were in bed and they're asleep. And like when the time was right, they would awaken and they would come out. And my daughter really wanted to catch a baby and she really wanted to cut a cord. And she was like so excited. Um, And so it was nice that they were just sleeping literally in the next room. Um, And 
yeah. And I just started laboring and I did a belly cast while I was in labor. I was like, I got to quickly do this. I need this for my babies. Um, and I got into the shower to wash everything off and I lost like my mucus plug and it was like so exciting because I hadn't never experienced that before. And I just remember like holding it and just like having this big smile on my face while I'm like contracting. like, And so all this beautiful oxytocin is just like flowing through my body and my husband's smiling. He's like, babe, it's happening. And, um, and so we went into the, um, went in, back into the lounge room where my birth pool was set up my birth space. And um, when I like, when I kind of hit that more towards the end of active labor, um, I do like a deep, belly rumble like a diaphragm like it's very low um and I think it woke my children up um and they kind of potted out of the room just on their own and big smiles on their faces it's like 1am and um yeah and my little boy Ezzy he just like wanted to hold my hand and my daughter was like she got into her clothes because she knew she wanted to jump in the pool to catch a baby (laughs) so she was so set um and yeah we just kind of I just labored and no one was touching me I don't like people touching me when I'm in labor um like so my husband just kind of sat next to me um and just gave me lots of eye contact which is what I wanted and needed and I just let my body do what it absolutely needs to do and I think there was one time and it was right before I like and I was in transition that I was like oh like it was very intense and I it's like that you just want a woman to look at who's done this you know and you just need that like you want that eye connection the eye contact and I just remember looking at her and she was like you so got this you know and that's all she said that's all I needed and I was like oh that felt good and then um first baby Zol he came out like head first and he did the beautiful like he turned once his head was out and then the next contraction he just came right out and um hubby caught him and um brought him up to my chest yeah brought him up to my chest and um he was kind of labored breathing he wasn't like it wasn't anything concerning um but I could in that you know that quick assessment that mums do like you could I could see but I just kept him on my chest and like you know maybe a minute later I had another contraction for the next baby so I was like Ooh, so you didn't get any time nope. between them no wow. not at all so um I was like I need someone to hold my baby yeah seriously um, <laughs> like I just I need to concentrate on Oof. getting this other baby out um so yeah um Beck took my baby and she held him in the water close to me and um I get back into the zone and I can feel he's like hit the he's engaged like I can feel he's hit there and um and then like the next contraction he was out like literally I did not feel him like I didn't feel there was no like crowning nothing like he just shot right out and I was like there's a baby like you know I'm trying to like it shocked my system to push that baby out that quickly and I was like there's a baby 
and my husband's like oh oh aurora like <laughs> and so aurora's already in the water and um she brings baby up to my chest and oh, that's your um, daughter yeah Cute. and she like i have this photo and she's i'm holding zion twin two and she's in the background in the water and she just has this big smile on her face and it's just it makes me so happy and um zion he was he was labored breathing as well but it was a little bit heavier and he then went floppy like he stopped breathing he went floppy and he went purple and he went lit so um i actually intuitively before being pregnant I had this feeling that I just needed to know a little bit of neonatal resource just the basics and so I did what I needed to know about that um to get myself in a place of not allowing that to be a fear place but just a place of knowledge um and I was like okay cool and um so when he went floppy it was it was so instinctual though is like I just put my mouth over his nose and his mouth I sucked spat assessed him again and he was still floppy I did that again and then I gave him a breath and I'm rubbing him praying over him you know doing and not like vigorously but just gently like calling him I'm like come on baby like you know speaking to my son and he as soon as I gave him that breath he just went oh like it shocked him and he was so why so why did you suck first because that's not in NRP no right that's no. okay yeah because I, I hear I'm hearing this more and more about women sucking and it's not until the breath and that makes a lot of sense to me especially a floppy you know going purple the breath makes a lot of sense to me so yeah. I'm just wondering if there was more to that so I felt like the intuitively it felt and even looking back it felt like I needed to suck because he shot out and so all that like all the process of birth of like pushing everything out it was like he didn't have that like he just like he did but it was like a whole contraction from top of pelvis like just out and so it was like I just gave him that suck and I did have a bit of mucus come out of him and I spat it out and then the second one I did a quick little suck assessed him and then instantly went straight back to give him that breath mm -hmm. and then that really kind of like it just shocked him and he was like oh hi and he's <laughs> looking at me like what's happening mom like <laughs> and they were both like they were both like labored breathing um and for it's how, so for how long um it, as in like how how long were they labored breathing yeah Cause I think that um, that would make a lot of moms nervous, you know, if they were new moms, if they didn't have much education around it or. That'd yeah. So they, they labor, they were having labored breathing for like, uh, so I think maybe to I, like to answer that question properly and fully would be for me, I was fine yeah. and I felt fine with my babies. And I felt that as soon as he was breathing, I wasn't nervous. I could see that he was labored and that was okay for me. And I was thinking, I need them on my chest. Mm -hmm. I need them on me and I need to breastfeed them. I need to be with them. I need to get out of the water. Um, however, I then look up and some people in my birth space weren't, weren't feeling that same way. Mm -hmm. And so the ambulance was called. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. Um, and so I was like, okay, 
radio. Wait, so who made that call if it wasn't you? That's a pretty big deal. Yeah. So, um, like my, I feel like I'm throwing under a bus and I feel bad, but like, yeah, um, Beck had was like, we need to make the call. Like, and then my husband was like, he was looking at me and then heard her kind of, you know, be like, we need to make the call. And then, so my husband responded to her rather than to me and how I was responding. Look, it's not throwing her under the bus to say the facts of what happened in your birth story. Yeah, I know. know. And it's also, you know, this is, I know, you know, this, I'm saying this, you know, to, to listeners, like this is why inviting people into our births is complicated. Yeah. You know, because it's not throwing her under the bus at all. Totally edit out her, her last name from earlier. Yeah. Um, But, but this is the risk of, right. Of violating your authority. Yeah. And superseding, you know, everything that a free birth actually is about, right. Is is to center the mother is for the mother to be the sole authority of birth. And you know, it's a, it's a gray area right now with women inviting doulas because Three, often I hear stories like this where the doulas aren't showing up as like handmaidens to be quiet and give you water. They are whole people who fuck up and don't understand this stuff and, and get scared and don't have yeah. the maturity and resources. And really what I would say midwifery, you know, yet to know how to hold these spaces yeah and and oh man I feel for you I did not know the story ends this way okay keep going yeah I'm sorry no it's okay I'm sorry it's so such a like a damn that's really pulling something away from from you to to do that yeah and yeah and so like I understand you know it 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 just kind of happened and then like my husband he went off of like her um, response and so um, he called an ambulance and um, I'm just holding I'm just like I need my babies like and I want to hold them and so I was holding my babies up to my chest and I felt all of that oxytocin of just holding them and smelling them and I could like they were covered in vernix and it was just gorgeous and they were fat like they were like they're my smallest babies I've ever had but they were still really big and so they were like 20 and 21 uh, 19 and 20 inches long and um five pound 13 and six pound six so um yeah they were really chunky gorgeous size babies and I'm holding them um and that's one of my prized photos that my photographer who by the way was sitting in the background just like you got this like she was just she sat and she just took photos and like there was no nothing from her you know she just did such I just really loved the way that she even supported in all of that as well um and so yeah she um took that photo of me holding the babies and um then my placenta just came on its own and it was huge it was like another baby like yeah it was giant and so um I remember like pulling it out of the water and just being like oh like (laughs) this is so heavy um and then I think by that stage the ambulance had arrived and I had um because you know I think it's similar in these states like 
you know, we had eight paramedics come into the space and I was like, okay, you guys are giving me a lot of anxiety. I need half of you at least to get out of my space. And thankfully, like four of them stepped outside. Two of them were kind of near the door. And then the other two were just kind of like around checking babies and stuff. Um, and yeah. You and babies over to them. Yeah. So I can get out of the pool um, and get, I get out of the pool and, um, and then they're doing like some suctioning for Zion. And at this point, it's so like all that oxytocin is just kind of shut off, you know? Yeah. Yeah, naturally, right? Like I just had, I was sitting in the corner. My birth pool was like in the corner at the back. And so there was a wall and windows behind me and then it was open and they just kind of like came in. Um, And so, yeah, kind of like it was a sucky end. Um, But I think it really changed like you were discussing about like doulas stepping into the birth space. And it had such an impact on how I, know and have experienced how even words are an intervention Uh, okay in the sense I don't know if I agree with you that words are an intervention but definitely calling an ambulance without the mother asking for it is that's what yeah and that's what I mean I mean like it can be like words can be like a good encouragement and they can be used well but they're powerful words are powerful and it can change people and so being your babies yeah oh shit um and they were the like we we went into the hospital and they were like um and I don't know uh in Australia like um if your babies are in NICU you're not allowed to stay with them so you have to go home and so I was separated from them um which was horrible and thankfully they were ready to leave NICU on day three. Um, so yeah, like we walked in, they're like, they're going to be here for like six weeks. Cause you haven't had an ultrasound and like they freaked out. And like, you know, we do all the, like, we're not having antibiotics. We're not doing vitamin K. We're not doing all of that. Like just CPAP. That's it. Minimal. That's all they need. Thank you. Um, and so, yeah. And <laughs> like they were like the doctor would come in and she's like oh they are just like exceeding expectation of like how she's like every time I come in I have a plan for what we're gonna do next and they're well ahead of it and I'm like yeah because I had a very calm intervention free birth and I'd do it again and she was like hmm I'm always going to advise that you have your baby in the hospital, but like, I get what you're saying. And I see that like, she's like, they're definitely showing, like she could see. Yeah. That they're like, they're doing well and they're healthy. And like, they were the fastest to leave the NICU. And so, yeah. Uh, man. Okay. So I know it's like kind of awkward to talk about, but yeah. Like, how do you address that level of violation with this woman that you has done two births with you? And I mean, that's, that's, that's such a big deal. Yeah. 
So, um, like I was, I remember like saying to her, like if I had another baby, like I don't feel like I would need anyone but hubby and I, um, there. And, um, yeah. And then when I got pregnant this time, she was like, I'm not going to be a doula. Like she's moving on to other, um, things now. And so, um, yeah, I was just like, it just kind of worked out in that way. Um, so she never, it wasn't like, it was never discussed a little bit. Yeah. Like we kind of discussed it and I like, and I was open with the fact that I was like, you know, I didn't make that call and like, it should have been me to make that call. And you um, weren't going to make it. No, that wasn't important that, part of the whole fucking thing. Yeah, that wasn't entering my time in my mind at all at the time. And it wasn't even like a, it wasn't a panic or like, I don't know what to do. Right. It was a, like, I'm assessing my babies and I, I felt that they're okay. I felt that I needed to birth my placenta and get out of the pool and I needed to lay with my babies on my chest and give them like, give them the boob and just, and I was like, I was so like one being twins and two, like knowing that I was in like preterm babies was, I was so ready to do like skin to skin, like right. constantly, like, yeah. So I had the things in my mind of like how I would manage that. Um, and so I felt really safe in my choice and I felt really confident in my choice. So yeah, I did have that conversation of like, you know, that was kind of, you know, heart for not being able to make that choice and feeling like that choice was, it was, it was not feeling like, but that choice was taken away from me. And so. And it um, cost you the first three days of your life yeah. with these children. Yeah. And it was really hard. It was really yeah. hard. That enrages me. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just so so unethical for women to agree to attend these births that are supposed to be about the mother claiming her power, claiming her authority and claiming her children, yeah. you know, and after having gone through this horrific abusive birth to still have have that she went through that with you to still take that away from you is yeah. wild and yeah I'm sure she's yeah. nice blah 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 defend defend you yeah. know get all weird when I critique their their <laughs> their attendance but like come on no, 100% you know, it, yeah it, no it is it, what it is like I mean did you read your husband <laughs> pardon I said did you ream your husband for I, was, I don't know what that means I'm oh sorry. ream like like tear apart Oh yeah, hundred percent. I was like, babe, what the heck? Like, I was like, babe, my whole pregnancy, like, and it, he has so much guilt around it. He does, and like, you know, now that we're in a like, you know, moving forward, I don't want him to hold that guilt forever. Like, that's oh, not that's not a good course. place for him either. Just so he learned from yeah, it. exactly. And he was like, and he did. He was like. I was like, babe, do you realize what happened? Do you realize what you did? And he was like, it took him a little bit. And he was like, oh crap. Like I one took a choice away from you. That was not my choice to make. And two, I listened to someone else other than my wife, who I trust the mother of my babies who I trust. And he's like, man, I really messed up. 
and yeah and he felt really guilty for a really long time and I like yeah so he definitely (laughs) he and even like you know I got pregnant again and I was like babe if I decide to solo birth like with zero people don't be surprised totally and he was like as much as that would make me sad as in like I'd love to be there but he's like if you do that I'm in support and I totally understand why you would want to do that you're um, like you're moving the needle with every birth yeah you know you're <laughs> I, moving it. just like I'm gonna and honestly I just a part of me I'm just like why like there's so there's the two sides of me there's like the indigenous side of that woman to woman like village where it's like I just want a whole bunch of women who fully trust me you know and will fully hold space for me and allow me even though I already have that authority but then allow it within themselves to trust and know that I'm going to make these choices and they are good and they are because I have the best interest for my children and myself, right? It doesn't exist in your life yet. No, exactly. So, yeah. And so I'm like, but then the other side is like, no, I just want to go down into a dark room by myself and just be like, boom, there's a baby. It'll be like totally. an hour. It's and, fine. Like, you know, I mean, obviously there's a million ways to birth, but like I, more and more I'm, I'm, Kind of, let's see if I can articulate it. I'm seeing it more as, you know, these, these woven women's communities that, you know, that I'm certainly building in my life that, you know, women are hoping to build and whatever. I feel like there's, there's the women can hold these concepts together and show up in all of these ways. But I don't know that the real like pinnacle moment or point is to actually have them attend you know, because what, like, there is stuff that happens when you're alone and there are parts of you that you will meet when you're alone. And there are ways you cannot outsource when you're alone that can only happen when you're alone. Right. And, and even, you know, even the, the, you know, I consider myself a, a, a pretty, what's the right word, like a pretty skillful midwife. And I know how to, hold and like put you know bring it back and not take it on but women are still projecting and and, you know their stuff onto me and wanting to outsource onto me because I'm there yeah and I just think the women who do completely solo birth I just am like I'm so in awe of that because like you can you feel all of that like you feel like, and I don't know, and I think it's definitely something that I'm exploring a lot being 25 weeks now is that what does this birth look like and where do I feel safest? Mm-hmm. And that's not just birth safest, that's emotionally, physically, spiritually, everything um, for both me and my baby. Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, the idea that if I just solo birth, I keep, fantasizing that I'll just go into labor and I'll just put her on we have a two-story home and I'll put her on downstairs and hit the shower and just I mean, do I, my thing <laughs> you know a lot of women who've done that who, who yeah like, their partner and even their children in the house but are very yeah. like this is my wing this is my area don't yeah. come in yeah you know I'll call you if I need you yeah I mean, I know lots of women who have done that very well and yeah. very successfully. And yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then what's cool. I mean, if, if the plan is just you with your family around at your beck and call, then you can just feel it out hour by hour, you know? Yeah, exactly. And just, and I kind of see it as like the allowing, I fully trust myself, you know, like I don't, I don't have doubt in myself with this. Like I look at every birth that I've had and like the labor and then even after, like I fully trust that like that, that my intuition over my own baby is just instantly there. Like I'm looking at them. I'm assessing them without like, you know, it's not a conscious thing. It's a subconscious thing. And, you know, it just, I fully trust that my abilities to be able to do that. And so it's more about, yeah, it's more about like, what do I want to do? And everyone just has to be comfortable with that. Cause that's not my problem. Sorry. Well, they don't have to be comfortable with it. It literally yeah. doesn't matter actually yeah <laughs> that's true. This, this, Allison this is yours to claim like that's what's yeah, so cool about this this is yours yeah. to claim and you've experienced the cost of not claiming that space you know in these yeah. like really big painful freaking ways yeah and, and it's so available to you and it's so available to you with this baby and after all of these lessons and you know ups and downs and everything of your mothering journey it's just so it's so available. It just, yeah. it's like very obvious to me. And even you just talking about it, that you're so ready to claim it. And yeah. And it's, it's all I want. Be so cool. <laughs> and, I, and I come back to you and be like, yeah, I just potted on down to the shower. <laughs> and like, I like, don't get me wrong. I love the whole beautiful birth spaces with the fairy lights. And I'm like, I just don't see it. I see like literally whenever labor happens and just, I've fully surrendered into everything. There is no plan. The plan is to birth mm-hmm. my baby, like full stop. Yeah. And, and to experience like a truly undisturbed birth. Yeah. yeah and, and I'm including the first couple hours of postpartum. Yeah. Like a yeah. truly intact, undisturbed birth. And I think for many, many women, like the only way they can achieve that is to do it on their own yeah flash you know maybe have their partner like in the wings you know yeah. like, with towels and water like that's nice and helpful yeah yeah um, yeah amazing well, I'm excited for you yeah so yeah we see what happens and I'm just so just I don't know we want to have a million babies like honestly the twin birth as like the after birth but the actual birth itself of the twins was just like life-changing like incredibly life-changing and I don't like I'm like I could literally do that a hundred times over like I could have a million babies like I could birth over and over pregnancy I'm not as great at um but like you know the birth side it's like and the twins they were four hours they were about seven minutes apart um so like yeah I'm just like when I'm ready to have a baby like I'm having a baby like or two you know we'll see <laughs> I mean, it's, it's quite uh it's like you your baby and God you know at that yeah. at that apex yeah. when it can be yeah. respected and when when you can do that kind of work yeah I get yeah it. 100% well, and you. so yeah well thank you for listening too because um it's 
it's so nice being able to share my birth story and I think like especially with the way that the world is shifting and the birth world is shifting that like hearing stories of women like listening to free birth society podcasts and just talking to other women just it's so encouraging and to find people you know like (laughs) who get and they get the like you know maybe you have a question or a fear or concern or you know maybe you have a joy or a celebration too and like just finding your people you know it's been really nice so I appreciate all the work that you guys do too a lot yeah thank you for your time thank you and that's it for today my sisters check out everything we do including one-on-one and group coaching learn about our private membership in-person retreats and more on freebirthsociety.com Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise, and the revolution starts inside each of us. I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honoured. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your We choose love, everything with intention, death, ascension. I will fly and bring her back from the start, conscious consent.